Welcome to the You're Worth It podcast with Coach Akeem. Career conversations with leaders you need to know. Welcome to today's episode of the You're Worth It podcast. We meet Tony Swanson. Tony is a talented recruiting leader and recruiter with varied backgrounds and organizations and expertise ranging from very technical to high volume positions. He brings a wealth of experience managing stakeholders, using data to tell stories and a gift for frank communication. He's also one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. Let's meet Tony. Hello, hello, everyone. I want to uh, welcome you to another episode of the You're Worth It podcast. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Tony Swanson. Tony, welcome. Thanks, Akeem. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, great to have you. And so uh, on the You're Worth It podcast, we spend a little bit of time letting people know a little bit about you. So why don't you tell the listeners a, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so about me, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in human resources from Winona State. Uh, I've spent my the bulk of my career within talent acquisition. So started out as a generalist, uh, and then that role had a, a large component of talent acquisition. So I very much enjoyed the space. Uh, my next role was in, in agency. So I spent five years in agency recruiting, specifically in the tech side. And then I was recruited away to an RPO called Herian, which supported the account at United Health Group. So I started out as a recruiter there, then was promoted into uh, a TA manager position at Herian. Uh, from there, uh, I spent six and a half years at Cargill, where I was responsible for engineering across the entire country. Uh, also took on additional responsibilities with EHS uh, and then procurement. The uh, highlights of Cargill, there were many, but a couple that I'm proud of there was a $10 billion um, focus of procurement and we overhauled that entire space uh, from the ground up. And I led the recruiting for that initiative. There was also a worldwide focus on continuous improvement where I led the initiative to recruit across the five hubs across the globe. Uh, with the Cargill experience, I, I love Cargill. It was a great uh, position for me, but I was recruited away by US Bank uh, U.S. Bank was very interested in my tech background. Uh, I started out at U.S. Bank as a tech manager where I oversaw technology and operations recruitment. So the technology component comprised of everything from help desk to uh, security to the developers, everything in between. And the operations was everything that kind of went on behind the scenes uh, of a bank. I uh, took on additional responsibilities over my time with the bank. Uh, if you think about how you go about your banking, uh, technology changed over the years, especially with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic very much put the foot on the accelerator for uh, banking technology. So my team expanded with across across tech, across digital. Um, and I took on not only the additional responsibilities in the tech space, but also uh, wealth management, contact center space, uh, and then the corporate support areas as, uh, such as uh, HR, finance, communications, things of that nature. Uh, after six and a half years, uh, about six years at US Bank, we had uh, three CHROs within three years. And the most recent CHRO came in, wanted to make some changes. Uh, he looked across all of HR and uh, basically opted to eliminate a certain sector of 
that mid-level across HR. So if you were in recruiting, if you were in benefits, if you were in compensation, L&D, whatever the case may be, uh, your position was eliminated as they were going through an HR transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my role was impacted as well as uh, some of the managers on my team. An opportunity to move to uh, another role within the bank uh, and pursue some other opportunities there. But the market conditions at that time were great. Uh, so I opted to take a package, leave the bank, and that led me to Alina. Uh, I led the Alina team for uh, about 10 months. My responsibilities there were allied admin and academics. So anything that is in a hospital that's not a doctor, that's not a nurse, my team recruited for. So it could be any type of therapist, it could be radiology, it could be EMTs. So very high volume, uh, built that team up. Uh, they had, when I started, it wasn't rare for the recruiters to have 150 recs. Uh, so we built that to where the recruiters had in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 recs, they were able to be much more strategic. Uh, Toward the end of my tenure at Alina, Amazon started to recruit me. Amazon was one of the companies I was speaking with after US Bank, and they uh, changed their tune. Uh, when I was speaking with them after the bank, they wanted me to travel to Seattle often, be in the office quite a bit. Uh, just Alina was a better fit at the time, but Amazon said, you can work remotely. You don't need to travel. Here's what we want you to do. And it was just too good an offer to turn down. Mm-hmm. So my most recent role at Amazon, I was uh, responsible for leading the technical recruiting practice COE. So the technical recruiting practice was in the ad space of Amazon, which is a $32 billion arm of Amazon. And I was responsible for mainly two components. The first was building out the COE to address volume. So when there was high volume, when there was high priority, my team would address that. Uh, the second component was from a process perspective. So there were five different practices under the technical recruiting practice. Uh, each practice did things a little bit differently. Uh, it could be assessments, it could be different interview process. And one of my roles was to try to come up with a, a foundation, a baseline to get some consistency across the team, across the practices. Uh, and then there were specialized projects that I focus on. Uh, along the way as well. So built that team from just one or two when I started up to 15. And uh, as I think you're familiar with and likely the listeners are as well, uh, Amazon put the brakes on uh, a lot of the hiring specifically in the tech space that they're doing uh, late last year and then going into this year. Unfortunately, my position was eliminated. So since the spring, uh, I've been looking for uh, my next opportunity. Uh, I think so one, there's a, a few things I take away from the summary and I appreciate you just walking through that for the listeners. So one is, um, you have been in a myriad of different opportunities, different positions, and you can recruit anything from technical to medical to, um, uh, engineering and et cetera. And so it, your, your span of recruiting is across a, a wide swath of, of functions and industries. So that really sticks out to me. The other thing that maybe that does stick out that maybe the listener doesn't know, or those watching online um, don't know is that some of the things, the places where you worked, when you talked about hearing, when you talked about engineering at Cargill, when you talked about, um, 
the where you worked where there was you know 150 wrecks you're a hard worker and the i don't say that lightly you've as long as i knew you you always carried a heavy workload and you were able to maintain it and the just speaking kind of making the connection from the first in terms of the different industries to the heavy wreck load you really are good at stakeholder management your curiosity allows you to learn new and different uh, businesses, new and different functions quite quickly. Um, and you spend the time to make it work. And so that's, I really recall that. And then the, the other thing that really stood out to me um, with you is just that um, you, you spent a lot of time um, with all these areas. You could have said, hey, this is a lot, this or another. Oh, you just put your head down and got it done. And mm -hmm. that to me, I think stood out because a lot of times I think organizations are looking for people that want to contribute, that want to add value to, to their company. And sometimes when you go through these reorganizations, as you, as you mentioned with Amazon and others that, um, they, they sometimes will say, well, who can, who can I really load up in these scenarios and these situations? Because when I look at my current workforce, you know, they're, they're dealing with a lighter rec load and they're not sure. And we're not sure if we can load them up. And you've been able to do that both as a recruiter and as a leader, a manager, a supervisor. So those things really stand out to me. And I just think it's important to call that out for those watching or looking just to know that about you, because you wouldn't probably say that about yourself, but, but definitely something that I knew um, and and respected quite a bit when we worked together um, and even today. So thanks for that. I appreciate that overview. Thank you for highlighting that. Yeah. And that is that is something I'm proud of. And I think we'll get into that later, too, is just as far as the what I've recruited for historically, it's not just high volume, it's also very niche and very technical. So yeah, I've done a lot of different things across my career, uh, I think, which would make me an asset to uh, my future employer. Absolutely. So the I love this question. It's a, it's a question I, I ask pretty much everyone, but you know, one of the hardest things to do is to say, hey, I'm good at this. I, uh, I excel in this area and uh, it's really why why I asked the question. So tell the listener, tell those watching online, you know, what are you good at? Why, when they, when they think about you, what, what should they come away with to say, yeah, he really is good at that. Yeah. Good question. I, I, I think there's a few things which come to mind. The first you, you highlighted on some of it already, but establishing and sustaining relationships with stakeholders, I think is one of my greater strengths. I like to use data to tell the story, uh, whether it's compiling market intelligence through tools like, uh, Talent Neuron, MZ, or LinkedIn Insights. Maybe it's looking at internal rec data to educate leaders on hiring conditions or evaluating our internal data using our uh, ATS or CRM basically to look at what we've done historically, what we're current do currently doing to celebrate successes and address areas to focus on. Uh, I do this every day. Uh, the hiring managers, the leaders don't. So it's important for me to help educate them as far as what's going on in the market and what's going on with the recs that we're recruiting on. Uh, the second would be uh, talent development. So mm -hmm. identifying strengths of teams, utilizing those strengths to make the group stronger, uh, or valuing opportunities for improvement, both for an individual, depending on where they want to go, and for the broader team. Uh, one example that comes to mind is... Uh, consultative skills training, which I did in the past. It was internally led, uh, so there's no cost. 
And basically it helped the team hone their talent advisor skills with candidates and hiring managers based on their own experiences. So there was uh, a lot of role playing that was done. And then we handed out some awards when we were done with that. Uh, I'm proud of those I've helped promote over the years. And it's not just within talent acquisition. Uh, people want to try different things. So other areas that uh, people were passionate about uh, that come to mind, had people move over to HRBP roles, project management, scrum master, technical roles. So if I'm doing my job as a leader or I'm doing my job as a teammate, I'm getting my team the direction that they want to go. And I will provide them with the resources to make that happen. Uh, the last thing I'll highlight is the, the candidate experience. So with many organizations, anyone can be a customer. So it's important to provide them with a positive experience when they're applying to a role. I think communication is the most critical component and I'll ensure candidates are updated throughout the process. Uh, one of the avenues I'll use is reviewing disposition reports to evaluate candidate time in a step of the process or ensuring that all candidates are declined and doing so in a timely manner. Uh, and one tangent off of that is just the, the recent experience my focus has been that handoff from the recruiter to the hiring manager once we have that offer accept when we're handing that person over to the hiring manager ensuring that process is smooth ensuring that the the candidate's going to have a good first day first week they have their equipment they have their workspace there's an onboarding plan in place and they have uh, referrals that they want to provide to our recruiting team if they're not having a good initial experience they might hold back on those referrals so want to guarantee a smooth start to their role yeah uh, that's you know, one of the things that you talked about, along with the the handoff, which I think is is critical when you're working with you know the hiring manager, hiring supervisor. The other that you talked about was just the experience of the candidate, and I, I'll tell you, you know, having been a recruiter, but then also you know, obviously having been a candidate, one of the things that that is just frankly frustrating is when you don't hear back. You you apply, yeah. maybe you interview, maybe you don't. And you're left wondering, you know, where am I, you know, in this process? Am I, you know, am I being considered? And I interviewed, I talked with them and no one's saying anything. And, and what you just said, I think, is is something that it's a little detail, but it, it absolutely matters to candidate experience. You making sure, and that's what I mean by the work that you put in, you making sure that that if you know right away that they're not being considered, you let them know. And if they are being considered, you also let them know that and keep them updated and just manage them throughout the process. I'll tell you that is an undervalued skill. And it's something that completely from my perspective, both as a recruiter formerly and also as a, as a candidate, it makes a difference in terms of the experience that they have. And so, it you know, a lot of times in these positions, there's only one person going to get the position. There's only one person going to get hired. And so there's that many more people that aren't, but they could be a fan of your organization if you treat them well and if you yep. help them understand. Um, but they can also be one of your biggest attractors, right? If um, if they don't have that good experience and so they can tell other people, hey, this is how it went for me. Um, and so I, I personally appreciate the time, energy and effort that you put into making sure that that, that experience is a good one for all involved. So appreciate that. That makes, that makes sense. And, and, uh, I would consider those things, uh, obviously strengths. So, um, as we think about, you know, your future organization, where you want to work, where you, where you potentially may work, organizations are always looking for 
those that add value to them, those individuals that are going to come in and make a difference. And so when you are looking and thinking about kind of that next opportunity, you know, why should an organization hire you? So as far as why someone should hire me, uh, I would say I'm passionate about the TA space with strong leadership skills. Uh, I've proven this by metrics. I've proven this by team engagement scores over the years. Uh, As we've talked about previously, I have the ability to focus on volume, uh, very high volume, uh, very technical positions or niche talent acquisition while ensuring adherence to uh, DEI strategy. So talent acquisition uh, in some of the organizations I've been where I started was looked at at very post and pray. Uh, And I think the lasting impressions I've left on the organizations I've been with, I've left the organization in a much better spot than I was when I began. But talent acquisition isn't there to simply post a role and create offer letters. We're there to consult hiring leaders every step of the process and justify why we're a strength to the organization. So I continue to learn. I continue to innovate, uh, create more leaders and get results. And I think I've excelled in this field throughout my career. Yeah, no, it's um, the the post and pray just so uh, those who, who aren't in recruiting and, and haven't spent time there. It, it's I don't want to say it's an inside joke, but but good recruiters, you know, when they 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 don't use this strategy, which a lot of times, you know, organizations are like, ah, you know, we don't want to invest in recruiting the way we need to or we think we can scale down because we haven't, you know, um, these job boards that we're connected to. And so we'll post the position organizations will. And then the, the prey part is we hope that people, the great, you know, candidate that we're looking for will apply. And so post and pray um, isn't really, it, it's not a strategy, right? And so mm-hmm. the, I'd say the top um, recruiters, organizations understand that, that a lot of times the top people you have to go find and you have to meet them where they are and meet them, you know, where they are both, you know, physically where they're located or remotely, whatever that may be, but also they may not be looking. And so you actually may have to cultivate that relationship and, and really sell the organization. And so it go, it moves beyond just posting and hoping and praying that individuals will, will find you on that posting to really going out and finding those, those leaders, those, um, future employees that you want to hire in the organization. And so I think it's, uh, you know, while you call that out and you just, you know, just kind of just say that nonchalantly, I don't want the listener or those looking online to, to take that lightly because it's not something that you take lightly. It's not what good organizations do. And, uh, and it is a differentiator for you. So Mm -hmm. uh, I really appreciate that. So now I'm going to move into the, recruiter like the typical you know what's the situation behavior outcome type you know the one that the question that everyone asks but uh, but I'm going to ask it so mm-hmm. as you think about the the different partnerships you've had as a recruiter as a as a recruiting manager as a leader in the organizations you've been a part of um, what what would you describe as maybe one of the the best partnerships you've had in, during one of those times or tenures sure uh So one that comes to mind is uh, we had a leader who, you think about the marketplace within the last couple of years, specifically um, at this time last year, there was just a lot going on with Mm -hmm. movement. Um, And this leader had 
high turnover. And with that movement, there comes some, um, some backstory. So what I mean by that is there's some employees who might move for a dollar an hour. Uh, there's some employees who might want to go from third shift to first shift. Uh, there are some, some employees who might want to work closer to home. And unfortunately, this leader was experiencing all of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was high turnover within a, a critical area of the organization. And this was something we were watching because obviously I can see this happening when the recruiter's workload is, is swelling. Uh, it's going up and up and up. And mm-hmm. you start to ask the question as to what's going on, why um, this wasn't in the workforce planning. So let's let's talk about it. So I set up a weekly meeting with her leadership team. Uh, then I brought in my core recruiters and the HRBP as well. Uh, we partnered to come up with not a recruiting strategy, but a talent strategy. Uh, so while talent acquisition is critical, unless we re- retain the talent that we have, we're just going to spin our wheels. Mm-hmm. So yes, we did come up with the talent acquisition strategy, and I'll hit on that here in a moment, but it's important that we have that retention as well. Um, so during these weekly meetings, we came prepared, I came prepared to provide updates on our sourcing pipeline, what we have for incoming talent, and then those market challenges. So was it a lack of talent? Was it a lot, were you off on salary? Whatever the case may be. We used data to tell the story. So I had charts and graphs to show uh, historical hiring, interviewing data, as well as our current status. I set goals and milestones on the calendar as far as where we were trying to get to. Uh, as an example, we wanted to get down to 50 openings by June 1st. I don't know if that was the exact number, but just trying to get that, that target for us to go after. Uh, the business leaders talked about a focus on engagement, partnering with compensation to increase the salary, which was a, a big issue for them. Uh, primary issue to losing the employees as well as mm-hmm. it making harder to attract new talent when our competition can get them and are paying more. Uh, we marketed these roles aggressively on social media. Social media. Uh, I added additional s- sourcing support. Uh, we actually pulled in, uh, I got funding for a contract sourcer to help with this because this was a revenue generating area of the organization. I created a drip campaign within our CRM. Uh, we increased temporarily the employee referral bonus. Uh, my perspective is yes, talent acquisition is the focus, the core, the backbone of the organization when it comes to recruiting. But the more people helping share, the more people helping network and recruit talent, the better. Everyone recruits, point being. Um, and then HR conducted an off-cycle engagement survey just to address any other issues outside of compensation that may have been troubling to the, the current staff. So this was a team of about 600. They had to, to put in perspective, I believe it was about 120 openings of the 600. So it was it was rough. Wow. Uh, and through this partnership, we reduced those openings to around 50 in three months. Uh, 50 was about normal for that group. Okay. Uh, and created a pipeline for future talent as well. And the goal was, uh, well, we gradually reduced our meetings as the, the number came down, but the meeting frequency, uh, we did strive to get those openings down even further. And then through that talent strategy, ensure that we weren't going to ever get back up to that 120 number again. Great. Great. No, it's, um, you know, it, one thing that gets missed, and, and I think it's an excellent story around partnership, that, that one thing that gets missed in, in a lot of organizations is that recruiting is often, you know, talent acquisition is often that first line 
Uh, they're the ones talking to the people. They're the ones who have insights into compensation, into what are the, the concerns? Why are candidates leaving other organizations? Why might, you know, the organization you're in have some risk, you know, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, overall the challenges being faced. And so it's a miss sometimes with companies in saying, oh, you know, marketing and recruiting, learning and development. Those are like the three areas in any downturn that are seemingly the first to go. And, you know, and it's like anything to me, any really strong organization realizes that's where you really need to invest. It's like investing in a down market. The returns you get when it's on the upswing again are, are enormous. And so sometimes I, I believe it's even a little bit short-sighted that uh, organizations, you know, miss that, you know, the, the people that mm-hmm. probably can give you the most feedback around what's happening in the industry are the very ones marketing, learning and development, talent acquisition, that are very ones that are the first ones that uh, tend to see the, you know, to be impacted by layoffs and reorganizations during this time. And so I think it's a great, great example of of driving towards a result of partnering with the key organ you know the or key people in the organization to deliver those results so congrats on that thank you so uh one question always asked is tell me about a time when you had to work with someone who was you know difficult to work with situation mm-hmm. company business um, function leader whoever it may be can you um, think of a situation like that. What was that? How did it turn out? Yeah. So the, the other side of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we had uh, someone who was new to the company uh, and this leader in the, not only new to the company, but in a critical part of the company. So uh, a new leader with a huge initiative ahead of him, and he came in uh, kind of like a bone in a china shop and he challenged everything tied to HR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the company benefits weren't attractive. The cost of those benefits was too high. Compensation for employees was too low. Uh, talent acquisition wasn't moving quickly enough. Uh, there was a lack of candidates and quality. We weren't training them through L and D, whatever, the, everything, everything mm-hmm. tied to HR. Uh, then this peaked where we had a candidate to client an offer due to uh, I, what I thought was a unique request. And I'll speak to that in a moment. Uh, the leader sent a note to the recruiter working on the role, myself, my manager, the CHRO, the leader's manager, the CIO. So everyone under the sun stating this, sh- this offer to client shouldn't have happened and must not occur again. Mm. So uh, the first thing I did is I, I-, I listened um, and read through this and listened to his concerns. Uh, I, I responded to the email stating it's unfortunate that this person declined and I knew how badly they wanted this candidate, but candidates will decline. And mm-hmm. we talked about this earlier, especially if they're sourced and not looking, right. uh, they will decline if it's not the right role for them. It's a candidate driven market. And I explained this will happen again. Uh, if we provide an excellent candidate experience and we sell the candidate throughout the process, why we're the employer of choice, we will minimize those declines. Uh, this specific candidate demanded some guarantees tied to his green card process, which not only in my time at this company, but throughout my career, I'd never heard of this type of request before. Mm. 
Uh, but I provided data on the email chain, noting we processed over 225 visa transfers that year and had never seen this request ever. Hmm. So in fairness to other candidates and from a legal perspective, we're unable to modify our expedited visa transfer process. So after addressing that specific decline, I set up a recurring weekly meeting with the leader, uh, myself and his team, whoever could attend from his team. And I came to the meeting with market intelligence. So that market intelligence could be from Talent Neuron, MZ, LinkedIn Insights, uh, what I was seeing within our ATS, just to justify where talent is across the country. And I say this because the hiring manager was in California, his leadership team was in California. Mm -hmm. There was a mindset of my whole core needs to be in California. And I think helping him understand, I, I, I think, yes, we could try to have this as a first line of offense in California, but let's remember we have hubs across the country where there's talent and we need to take advantage of that, especially in this market. So I came armed with that as well as TA metrics uh, specific to our pipeline of candidates, the volume that we had coming in, the number of people that we're interviewing, number of hires that we've made, what those diversity numbers look like, things of that nature. This was someone who was in uh, IT. So think about that mindset in IT. So he's very analytical. Uh, and I say that to bring us back to the, the core of your question when someone was challenging to work with. So being very analytical, he keeps asking for more and more data. So every time we're providing him with something cool, now let's twist that around and I'll look at it this way or how many over here, what's this group doing? What's going on over here? Mm -hmm. And I provided what I felt was most relevant and pulled what I could, but I did push back just because myself, the team are spending so much time on data manipulation. <laughs> we're kind of losing the focus on talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. So we worked together to get him the data that he wanted, maybe less frequent, uh, less frequency in some of those quests, maybe not weekly, maybe monthly, uh, maybe quarterly. He'd still have the data, but it wasn't as frequently as he wanted to. Additionally, I taught him how to pull some of the information so he could have it at his hands when he wanted to. Uh, then I had shared with him, if there were any issues uh, in an effort to build trust, I advised him to reach out to me directly and I prioritized his requests as such. I over communicated as best I can on our strategy, partnered with him. If we were scheduling issues with his team, uh, so it wasn't just from the candidate perspective, uh, our focus on getting top tier talent. When we have these candidates coming in, the team was overwhelmed with their day-to-day -day responsibilities. So it was tough to get them to interview. Mm -hmm. uh, their jobs were really critical. So it's kind of a chicken and egg thing where they need people so bad, but we can't get these people pushed through if you're not going to take the time to interview them. So we set aside, um, I believe I recommended Tuesday and Thursday afternoon as an example where these are interview days. You're going to, uh, let's talk about who you can have from your team to, to be available to do these interviews, to do these interviews. And if the interview is unavailable, then they need to find someone else to step in for them. Uh, and then we also needed these interviews to be available for debriefs and provide swift feedback. Uh, when I go back to that candidate experience that we talked about, but also these candidates are in very high demand. Uh, if we don't move quickly, someone else will. Yeah. So ultimately, uh, 
I needed to build that trust with him. He was under pressure to his targets, very high visibility position, high visibility roles, and he needed talent acquisition to step up and accomplish those, those initiatives. So um, other things that we did, uh, I advise we bring on more early talent. Not everyone needs to be at the senior level they're targeting. So how can we take advantage of those more earlier in our careers? Uh, we did expand our reach outside of California, we use our size to our advantage, which would also, which also helped with diversity. Uh, and then we also evaluated other types of technology languages, which might be suitable. What's comparable? What might they have in their background where they have this experience where they could pick up on whatever Apache or any type of Java link, whatever to step in quickly and make, make and contribute to the team. Uh, and then. The volume increased quite a bit as he was getting up to speed. So I also worked with him to prioritize his open positions to address the most critical needs first. So overall, this was a journey. Um, ultimately, I was able to build trust. Uh, the leader informed the C-level, the CHRO and the CIO that he was pleased with the focus. I learned he was just someone who needed to over communication. I think he was under a lot of pressure. He needed a lot of data points. Uh, I mentioned he could pull some metrics himself and that put him at ease uh, and it reduced data requests to my team and myself. And as his roles were filled, he focused more on strategy. He delegated open roles back to his hiring leaders. And overall, I, this wasn't the best partnership I've ever had, but I think we were effective in accomplishing our goals and getting this to where we understood each other. And it was a, a good partnership. Yeah. Yeah. So few things. One, I just love the transparency in terms of the relationship, the challenges. But the the other thing is a lot of times people are great at identifying problems, but really not the solutions. And yeah. what I heard is just various ways of creating solutions to help meet that demand. I heard empathy as well, understanding just the, yeah. the situation that the, you know, the hiring manager was probably in. But then in addition to that, you know, being willing and able to to challenge. So here's the data. Here's different ways you can get it. Here's what we think it's saying. And let's not spend all of our time, you know, focused on data. Let's let's make sure that we're also delivering what you ultimately need, which is mm -hmm. these hires. And so a, a bit of, uh, I would say, kind of a jockeying back and forth to figure out how to best work with one another and, and ultimately mm -hmm. coming up with a, a way to do that. So stakeholder management, um, understanding the business and the business challenges, creating solutions, and then, as you as you said, oftentimes maybe underestimated the level and, and frequency with which, you know, mm -hmm. you need to communicate in order to make sure these things go off you know, well. So, uh, great example. I appreciate the just you know letting people a little bit behind the scenes in terms of some of the challenges of of being in talent acquisition, being a recruiter, and so. With that, it's hard to believe we're, we're at this point, but uh, we're, we're nearing the end of our journey together. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, what would you like to leave the listener, those watching online? You know, what, what impression would you like to leave? What, like, last words of wisdom, whatever it may be, or just Im impression of you as, as, we, as we wrap up our journey together? Yeah, good question. Um, so in, in summary, I, I would say I have extensive talent acquisition experience across technology, banking, healthcare, ag industries. Uh, I've built out uh, materials, marketing materials, sell sheets, 
uh, whatever the case may be, to, to highlight and showcase an organization as an employer of choice. So why would someone want to come and work here? Uh, I think that I've done well to how we start off the conversation too. These roles that I've recruited for, a lot of them are very challenging. So I think I've done well throughout my career in understanding what these roles are and articulating that to the candidate so they know what they're getting into. Uh, I've changed cultures from uh, reactive, or we talked about post and pray, to mm -hmm. something that's consultative and proactive. Uh, I've highlighted talent acquisition as a strategic partner to the business lines. And I think I would end it with, I'm, I'm committed to getting better every day. Uh, I help those around me excel and creating a best in class experience for both candidates and hiring leaders alike. I think that's well said. Thank you. So, um, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. connecting with you, um, getting a chance to hear your story and share that with others. Um, appreciate the time that you, you took today. It's a, it's a Saturday and uh, <laughs> there's probably both things we both of us would love to do, but I actually honestly can tell you I'd rather um, spend time with you talking about this, sharing your story with others than anything else. So I appreciate you coming on the You're Worth It podcast. And uh, I look forward to kind of hearing what the next steps are with you. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time as well, Kim. All right. See you, Tony. See ya. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the You're Worth It podcast. Our goal here is to help everyone achieve their career dreams. Take a minute to like our content, review our books, and never forget, you're worth it. For more You're Worth It podcasts, career insights, merchandise, and exclusive content, check out CoachHakeem.com.